was really excited with this uh, this this message this message and so excited that we're actually going to drag it out to two parts. So we've got today and next week. Um, before we go any further, Mother's Day, mums, I've got a little hack for you, a life hack. I should open a, a life hack. Something that you can do when your family asks you, hey, what do you want for Mother's Day? Say, I'd love my family in church. My mum, this is like a, a little hack I learned of my mum. She'd be like, oh, this is her way of getting us into church when we were like, we were running muck, rat bags. And uh, like, what would you like for your birthday? What would you like for, for Mother's Day? I just want my family in church. It's a, a great way of, uh, it's not manipulation. It's, it's leverage. Leverage. Oh, how good is God? Hey, I just want to pray before we get into the Word. Lord, I thank you that you are so good to us. Lord, I thank you that you don't want to take from us. You're a God who wants to give. That you created us not to serve you, God. You created us to be in relationship with you, God. You didn't create us to give to you, Lord. You created us to uh, be part of you. Lord, that we would be able to shift in our thinking this morning, Lord, that you would move us from people who you change our mindset, God, that we would truly understand your heart towards us. We would truly understand the partnership you desire with us. Lord, we just submit to your word right now. Holy Spirit, we just give you full place to teach our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So good to be in the house of God. I'd never, never just forget the privilege it is to be able to minister. So great to be able to come into your home or uh, to to have you uh, engage with us online. Uh, So what I want to speak about this morning is heart or hand. And really what I'm going with that is, does God have your heart or does God have your hand? And, 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 And so often we can look at our the things we do for God. You might rock up on a Sunday or every third Sunday or whatever you're, you might serve. Uh, you might even serve hard. And you might give. You might even give a lot. You might forgive people or be nice to people even when it you don't want to sometimes. And, and I just want to be able to actually... Just bring before you two two sort of pictures, and I'll, I'll just read it, read read two stories to you, and or two two scriptures to you, and then and then we'll we'll go further. John chapter ten and verse ten, and we'll start there. It says, "The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it." The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You might have seen the word hand there. It's just starting to follow where, I've, where I'm going with this title. And 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, and we'll start at verse 34. Actually, we'll start at verse 33. Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came, he carried it, carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Right there, we've got a contrast of, of two situations. 
One is a, a situation where there is a, per a person who's been assigned, he's been paid to look after the sheep. He's been hired to look after the sheep. He's a hired hand. And the other situation is a young man, he's, he's talking about a situation where he was in where he was also, his job was to look after sheep. And then when the enemy came, when the wild animals came, uh, he didn't turn and run, he stood and fought. And what, what, what I find fascinating here is that this is in John, ch ch in the, the first passage we read, that was the Lord Jesus talking here, but in, in verse 12 it says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when the wolf comes, he abandons the sheep. The man runs away because he is a hired hand. But it says that he does not own the sheep. But then in the next passage we read, we talk, we're reading about this young guy, David, who also is in a situation where they're actually not his sheep. He didn't own them either. It said here, we, we said, I was out watching my father's sheep. So Jesus... In, 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 John's, in, in John's gospel, Jesus was saying, when you don't own the stuff, you run when the troubles come. When you don't own it, when the pressure is on, you, you get out of there. But then we see this other account where there's this guy, David, this young man, David, and he didn't own the sheep. But when the pressure came on, he stood and fought. So what was the difference? It, it, he recognized that they're my father's sheep. What's my father's is mine. Even though it doesn't have my name on the title, I'm identifying what my father has as mine. And you know, there's another place where the Lord Jesus said, everything that my father has is mine. There's this starting to, to be this congruency between understanding that God and you are linked. We don't work for God in the sense of we're a hired hand. We work for God in the sense that we're part of the family business. We're part of the family company. We, 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 and, and there's this, what we really see here is this discrepancy between a mindset of a son and a mindset of a servant. They're, they're, they're two really different things. One's an employee, one's a family member. And, 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 and when you get the mindset of a family member, things change when the pressure is on. Things change. And I love David here. He's like, it wasn't just one time. He's like, it's happened a bunch of times. And I stood my ground and I won. And now, we, in this story where we were reading here, Saul, he's the king. He's the king. And, and for those that don't know the story, the nation is, at, um, is being confronted by another nation. And an enemy is trying to invade their land. And there is a giant, a 10-foot tall giant someone the height of a basketball hoop like it's because like you know you look at some you know rugby players and they're like these walking fridges this is like even this is like a fridge and a half and, and it's just th this, this giant and David looks at this and everyone else is backing down everyone else is behaving like hired hands they're like whoa not my problem like to their credit they weren't running away but they weren't engaging they were sitting in the seats, if you like, but they weren't putting their hand up and saying, hey, I'll get my hands dirty. And David 
looked at this situation and he realized that these people, this nation, is God's nation. It's my father's nation. It's my nation. They're my people. It's my church. It's my responsibility. And he put his hand up. And because he had done it before, he was prepared to do it again. Because he had done it at a lower level, he could be, on, he could be trusted to do it at a higher level. Because he was, had been faithful with little, now he could be trusted with much. And to, just to, to cut the long story short, he went on and fought the giant, killed the giant, and eventually actually became the king of Israel. So this is, this is the mindset that God wants to promote is one where you're a family member, where being a child of the Most High God isn't a little ear-tickling thing that we tell ourselves as a way of making ourselves feel nice. It's actually a position. It's actually the reality in your life that this is, whatever's God's is mine. That, this, that, that I cannot separate myself from problems that are happening in God's house. Uh, Timothy had this, he, he, he no, not Timothy, sorry. Uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about Timothy. And I just want to read this passage from Philippians chapter 2. So, uh, verse 19 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show de- genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. He's saying here, everyone is taking care of their own business. The only person that's taking care of Jesus' business is, my, is Timothy. And, and to, to properly understand the context here, the business he's talking about is the local church in Philippi. In Philippi. The local church is Jesus' concern. The local church is Jesus' concern. And he's saying that Timothy is the only one that's actually standing up to be counted and say, you know what, it matters to Jesus. This is Jesus' stuff. It's my stuff. And, and, and he actually says here that Timothy is the only, this is, it's only, it's, it's because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. He's actually seeing here that this guy has stopped looking at the church as something they do. He started looking at the church as something we do. Something that I'm a part of. It's not, and this, and I love here how Paul doesn't separate the gospel from the church. That the gospel, the work of the gospel is the local church. And Paul's saying here that the work of the gospel is the local church. And Jesus actually takes this a step further when he's, he's talking in Mark's gospel. He says this in, in 834. He says, then he called the crowd to himself and along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We often will have this mindset. It's me and Jesus. Oh, yeah, me and Jesus. Or I can come and go as I please, but it's me and Jesus. And I've got my faith because I'm a child of God. And me and Jesus, Jesus loves me and and he unconditionally loves me. And and I love him with everything that is convenient. And 
and and a bit of my feelings are real, you know, like my feelings. We feel, I get the goosebumps and stuff, and it's there. And then, you know, you know, I, I can take or leave a Sunday morning. I can see the offering, and like you know, Jesus knows my situation. He knows that I've got Christmas is coming, and I want to buy presents. And he knows that I've got to get my nails done. And he knows that, you know, it was a four-day pay week last week, and he knows this stuff. So he understands that I don't have to, you know, he, he gets it. And 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 it's like. But that's not where Jesus stops. He doesn't. He doesn't stop. <laughs> he he calls. He says he called the crowd to uh, to him and along with his disciples and said, "Whoever wants to be up to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me." He goes on and he says, "Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me doesn't stop there." He says, "And for the gospel." And for the gospel, what's the gospel? The gospel is preaching the word. Paul said the work of the gospel is actually what goes on in the local church. Whoever will lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? There's this thing that God is really wanting us to get. He's wanting us to take a hold of the things that are important to him. He's like, he wants, he wants you and me to be People like David looking after our father's sheep. When the, when, the, when the storm comes, he wants us to stand our ground. He's like, <laughs> so David, right, you can understand, like I'm not some big hero type person. I love to watch the hero type movies. But the truth of it is, is I've only ever seen a lion through the glass at the zoo. I was super brave though. I stand there and the lion comes at the glass and I'm like, yeah, and I like stir it up behind the glass. That, like... But I, I, I don't know what it'll be like if that glass is gone. <laughs> I'll be, you know. But I tell you what, if that glass is gone and one of my kids is there, like I'm there, I'm staying there. And and, and God's saying, hey, I want you to have that mindset. Like, like what, what, why is the church not important to you, but your family is? Like, how, this is he says, this is the concern of Christ is the church. The concern of Christ is the gospel being preached. The concern of Christ is the work of the gospel. It's lives being transformed. It's people coming in, being discipled, getting healed, getting set free, getting healthy. Because remember how it started. Jesus said this. He says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The whole context of this full life is being in the local church, being discipled, letting the healing take place, serving, being part of what God's doing. This is the whole context of, of, the, of this dynamic that Jesus is talking about here. The entire context is wrapped up in you and me. It's you, me, and Jesus. It's not you and Jesus. Sorry, I get to be a part of it. I can't just get away and me and Jesus go sit on the hill and kumbaya. It, it's like you have to disregard massive portions of the Bible if that's your mindset. You read the New Testament, most of it's talking about not you and Jesus. Most of it's talking about you and one another. You and each other, you and other. <laughs> Most of it's talking about how you interact with other people. It's like, yeah, you take what God's done for you and then you spread it around. And this is what I really feel like God's talking to us and challenging us and wanting to challenge you and me about is does he have your, ha your heart or your hand? Do, are, are you his or do you just do it when it's convenient? Because when the, hired, when the pressure comes on for the hired hand, he's like, I don't get paid enough for this. Some of you have said that about your job. Some of those people, maybe me, <laughs> have said this about their job. I don't get paid enough for this. But 
you know when you're like, so let's just say, you know, use the kids for example again. You know, I hear Melissa sometimes expressing, what, I don't know, I'm trying to find a nice way of saying complaining because <laughs> about, about <laughs> just digging deeper. I find if I dig myself deep enough, I can get right through the other side. But, uh, you know, never once have I heard her say, you know what? No, I don't get paid enough for this. No, sorry, sick kid that's spewing everywhere. I just don't get paid enough for this. Dinner, yeah, guys, no. I, I, I'm, it just isn't, there's, not, there's just no box, that, that's just not part of the scenario. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, these kids have to be fed. There is no that just it, there isn't it does it just doesn't matter. Sometimes you you're like this is the mindset of an employee is like oh well the next shift will get it. Like you send in the email can't come in. That's it. The last you think about it is boss's problem. You know I'm not saying that that's right or wrong because in certain situations that's just the way it, that's the way it works and that's fine. But you can't just email you 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 know put out the email to the ether. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> Someone else is going to get the kids. You know, like, and, and it, it's, it, it's not, doesn't work like that when you're part of a family. It doesn't work like that when you're an owner. It doesn't work like that when you are the, the one responsible. And, you know, and, and I love here that David, they weren't his sheep, they were his father's sheep, but he said it stops with me. It says ultimate responsibility, I will take ultimate responsibility because I represent my father and if it's his it's mine and, and, and it stops with me I don't just pass it on to the next guy and this is a mindset I really think God wants us to take a hold of because I think it's so relevant to how we walk just in, as a body it, 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 it matters how you process your position in the house it matters if you're an employee you clock out for the next guy if you're a son if you're a daughter it's your house no one else is going to get it. It's, it. it's like, and I really love that, that, that God doesn't let us off the hook here. Like, it, there's this story, and, and I love it. It's in Matthew chapter 25, and we'll start at verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country he, who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And um, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he uh, gave one, each according to his own ability. I love that each according to his own ability, God will never give you more than you can handle. He knows how much you can handle and he will never give you more. When he sent, uh, he let a, a lion and a bear come to David, he's like, this is inside your scope, don't worry. I bet you at the time David's thinking, no, it's not. And God's like, yes, it is. Don't you worry. Turns out it was. Hey, I'm not dead. Awesome. <laughs> and when a giant come along and God's like, this is within your scope. And he's like, okay. Each according to his own ability. And immediately he went off. He went on a journey, and immediately, we need some immediately's. Understand God says stuff, and it's immediately. It's not like when you're ready, because like, he's God. He went on a journey. The one who had received five went and traded with them and made another five talents. And just to understand this word talents, this is where we get our word talent that we use as for our gifts and abilities. But the actual context, proper, uh, proper context is that talent is actually about 20 years wage. About 20 years wage. 
uh, but I love the correlation between our gifts and talents and, and the substance that, that a, a master gives and, and, and just he takes his hands off. He says, here, it's yours, and he hands off. And, and we'll get there in a moment. Uh, he then likewise, uh, sorry, and then uh, to another two, uh, then he received the five talents, traded with them, made another five, and likewise he had received two, gained two more also. But the one who had received one went and dug in the ground and uh, he hid his Lord's money. He hid his, the talents that his Lord had given him. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he called the, the one who had received five talents and bought, uh, and, and bought another five, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. The Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Like David was faithful over a few sheep and God gave him a nation. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He took, uh, he also, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here, there is what is yours. There, have what is yours. But the Lord answered him and said, uh, said uh, answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap what I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited money to the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take that talent from him, him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to one who has will be given more, more will be given and will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This guy's excuse was so good. He had a really good excuse. He was, asp- he was afraid. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. So I was afraid and went and hid it. Here is what is yours. I was scared. I was scared. Like. He had a good reason. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. This is Jesus talking, right? And he's talking about himself. He's talking. He, he's actually processing. This is how we do things around here. This is meek and mild Jesus, you know, baby in the cradle, manger thing. And this is what he says, the way he processes that type of behavior. You didn't do what I asked you because you were afraid. He says, you wicked lazy servant wicked and lazy he says you're not afraid you're wicked and lazy but he doesn't say you're not afraid he actually says well that mindset he just grabs it by the and is like you think that was an acceptable excuse to me you think the fact that you aren't willing to step out in faith when i call you to is a like i will somehow understand and i will somehow be okay with it He's like, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And then he goes and says, take that from him and give it to the one who's got 10. And he will. Ha- and th- this is, there's two things I want to do right here. The first thing I want to do is, we'll, maybe we can leave that there. Jesus is not cool with us not doing what he says because you're afraid. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's saying, deal with it and get on with it. Deal with it and get on with it. Full stop, next paragraph. The next paragraph is the cool thing. He says that 
give it to the one who has ten talents. And he says, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Jesus, we started this whole passage by Jesus saying, I've come that you might have life to the full. If we're actually, I've switched over translations. If I had it stuck in the same translation as that passage, it's actually, we'll have an abundance. We'll have an abundant life is actually the, the language that the New King James uses. So have, have an abundant life. God's plan for your life is an abundant life. That's what he wants for you. That is what he's got for you. So when he calls us and challenges us to step out in faith and to do these risky things and these things that seem terrifying or these things that seem like it might be going backwards for a period, he's actually showing you and calling you into the abundant life. He's not trying to take from you. He's not trying to rip you off. He's not trying to make you suffer so somehow you can be holy. He's actually, no, he's like, this is the way to the abundant life that I've come to give you. It's like, man up, woman up. I don't know if that's a thing, but, you know, you get the idea. A- and do what I'm calling you to because it works. It works. He's, he's so, like, the processes he gives us in life, they work. They work. And if you care about your life working, we stick to the processes that Jesus gives us. It, we, 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 we do what God asks of us. One of the, the words that I really felt God give me this morning was, was, uh, Non, uh, non-optional, no options. It was, um, let me, I'll get the exact word because it was really stuck out to me. Non-negotiable was the word that, that I felt God, he, non-negotiable. We need to make some stuff in our life non-negotiable. Like God says it, so we do it. We know this is the way to walk in God, so we do it. There is no other, there is no option. Like we don't let, we don't let, reason or anything that come between us and what we know God's called us to do it's just not a nego- it's not negotiable for me I was called to preach the gospel I know that it's not negotiable for me there's a place where uh, the apostle Paul says it's like worry to me if I don't preach he's like I just ha- I'm the same I have to do it I was just talking with someone this morning and we were we're talking about just the, the fact that God has called me to. I remember the first time I was at Adult and Teen Challenge, and, and part of what they do, it's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program, a Christian one. And, and what they do is once you've been there for a period of time, for one month, you have to get up and talk. And I remember the first time I got up there and I shared just a brief gospel message. And I remember as I'm doing it, I'm realizing this is why God put me on planet Earth. This is what I'm doing here. This is the reason for being here. For me, I, I, I took a hold of that. And then so became, from that point on, preaching the gospel is non-negotiable for me. I, I, I don't care how scared. Uh, there was, uh, there, and, and, and people, it, yeah, it's a lot easier now than it used to be. But I'm telling you, I used to get physically ill before getting up and speaking. I, I used to get physically ill before sharing before children. And now to the point where I remember my dad died, and I think it was a Tuesday. That Sunday I was rostered to preach, and I had the choice. Everyone would have understood, totally understood. I would have had, there would have been a couple of offers even, people saying, hey, you can fill in if you need to. I'm over my dead body, over my dead body, this is not an option for me. This isn't something that is uh, that I subject to 
feelings. This isn't something that I let, let be subjected to circumstances. I was called to preach the gospel. I will do it. Melissa and myself, I would say, and that we've been married for 15 years this year. There would not have been one time where we didn't tithe in that entire time. And you say, well, you have to, you know, you're pastors. No, we weren't pastors for that whole time. And before that, I, I, I honestly don't think, I reckon maybe there's two or three weeks and that would have actually not been because I didn't have the money to tithe. It would have been because I forgot. And, uh, and, and I'm talking in my entire walk with God since I came back to Christ at the age of 21 where I, I didn't tithe because it's so clear in the scripture, bring your first fruits to God. And okay, cool, non-negotiable, boom. Being in church on a Sunday morning, it's not a negotiable for me. Like, but I have a family commitment. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I know you've got a family commitment. Church on a Sunday morning. This is your family, remember. It actually took a while before our family, they decided that if they want Jacob and Mel there, Sunday morning's not the time to make your family plans because they're not going to be there. Because we put our stake in the ground and it's a non-negotiable. Because we're here to serve God. And... You know, we're, I've been, we've been in this place doing setup now for nine years. And, and you know what, I still get in and set up. Just like I can't do it as much as I used to. But I'll, every chance I get, I'm on that roster because I won't let anybody take that boast from me that I'll just get in here and get my hands dirty for God. I w- no one can take that. I won't let them. And um, it's, it's a mindset. Because God doesn't just have my hands. He's got my heart. But if God truly has your heart, he gets your hands too. If he gets your heart, he has your hands too. If your relationship with God is one where sometimes it's this, sometimes it's not, um, you know, go with the flow and the spirit. It's like your spirit doesn't line up with the word, which means it's a different spirit. It's a non-negotiable. David would not back down from a lion. He would not back down from a bear. So when the giant came, he knew he was equipped. Even though the voices were saying, hey, you're not equipped. He's like, no, I've done this before. I understand how this works. I'm here protecting my father's flock. I can take on a bear. And he just looks around. It's like, hey, what's a bigger flock? Instead of woolly sheep, I've got men in armor. Same difference. I'm protecting my father's flock. God's equipped me and prepared me he carried me through back then he'll carry me through now and i tell you going through those hard times put something in you when you push yourself past what you thought was possible when this servant was afraid but he do it you do it anyway put something in you and then the next challenge that comes you there's a little bit of something in you where you know you can take it and you're different you're different you aren't the person you were on the other side of that challenge You aren't a person that can be pushed around by emotion. You aren't a person that can be pushed around by circumstances. You're at the type of person. I'm the worst person to tell me you're not going to do something because you're afraid. Because I'll be like, okay, what's the first thing? Okay, go and do it. Yeah, well, me, if I'm afraid, that's my cue to go do that thing. Because I I know what the Bible says. It says God doesn't tolerate fear as an excuse. He's like, get on with it. I'm going to pray. We'll leave it there. Next week, you'll want to be here. I really just think God's just taken us deeper. He's wanting disciples. He's wanting disciples. Jesus said, 
whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He doesn't want... <laughs> we somehow get this idea that there's a difference between a follower of Christ and a disciple. We're like, oh no, those hardcore people, they're disciples. I'm just like a Christian. And he's like, no, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. The ones who follow me are my disciples. If you're just on the side, you're a bystander. He wants people that are paying the price and following him. And he doesn't rip you off, guys. He doesn't rip you off. He doesn't rip you off. You know, I'm just going to just be a little bit just talk. About three and a half years ago, God called me off staff at church. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I wasn't, okay, cool. I'm like, uh, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, how are we going to pay for life? How are we going to do these things? And then, you know, we just really felt God calling Melissa and myself to swap roles, and Melissa took the lead role here. And then as she's going over the books, and like, how can we, you know, best do with the church, you know, and, and, and she just said, you know what, God, I don't want to take a full-time salary, and she took a part-time salary. And we're like, this is, doesn't make sense on paper. But we're trying to put God's house first. We're trying to help God's house flourish uh, even and, and just trust that he would take care of us. I'm not saying it's been easy. I'm not saying it's been smooth sailing. But I am saying we've got through it. I am saying that we're able to move past the challenges. I'm not saying where the challenges don't come. And, but we're in a place now where we actually just were able to buy a block of land right on the beach. And we're in a situation where we're so much beyond what we ever thought was possible. God hasn't let us down. Like he hasn't let us down. He won't let us down. Jesus was so serious when he says that I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He meant that. But, he, but the whole key is we lay down our lives as disciples and follow him. And along the way is the abundant life. That's where the abundant life lies. Abundant life is not. He said, Jesus said here, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? He's saying, guys, we need a paradigm shift. We need a paradigm shift. Stop trying to get it yourself. Do it my way. Trust me. Trust me, he's saying. And I know it's scary, guys. I know it's scary. Do you know how I know it's scary? It's because I've done it. I've had to walk through the fire as well. Lord, I pray right now that you just would put a boldness on this church, God, that we truly would be men and women who are disciples. We'd be people who follow you through the fire, Lord God, knowing that on the other side is the breakthrough, knowing that on the other side is the miracle. Just while we're in this attitude of prayer, I just want to give anyone here that, that's not walking with God. Maybe you never have. Maybe you, you were and you've wandered and you're just coming home. But if that's you, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Us as a church, we're going to pray it together. But what that prayer is going to be, it's going to be a prayer that says, God, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. And I just really think some of us, it's going to be a recommitment time as well.
And I was invited, just, yeah, they're just, this is, God wants us all in. Uh, we're, as a church, we're going to pray together. And if you're praying that prayer for the first time or you're recommitting to God or reconnecting, and some of you, it's just a, it's just a recalibration as well. Let's just mean it with all of our hearts. Just repeat after me, church. Dear God, I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Help me to take a hold of the abundant life you have for me. From today forward, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just while we're still praying, let's just get every head bowed and eyes closed still. If you prayed that for the first time or you're coming back to God, I just invite you just to put your hand in the air just while we're praying. If you're online and that's you, just, just let us know. Reach out to us. We've got some free resources we'd love to give you to help you on your journey. I'm going to pray for us as well. I'm just, I just believe God. He's not done. He's not done here. Jesus, have all of us. Have all of us, Lord. You know those corners where we just have not been able to yield to you, God, where the fear is so great, where the temptation is so strong, where our reasoning is so reasonable. Lord, we just say have those places. We pray for a grace where we don't have the capacity to let go, where we just can't. We just say, God, come and do it. We say, God, I want to be able to. I want to be able to. I choose to. But I need you to do a miracle in that area. Lord, have all of me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're just going to worship, and I just want us just let's just let God work in our hearts. Just everyone stand just right now. Everyone to your feet. God's going to do some work as we just, just let that word resonate. Let God, I believe God was speaking to hearts. Let's just worship team. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. Just come and do what you want to do in our lives, Lord Jesus. Come and do what you want to do in our hearts, mighty God. Holy Ghost, just come and have full place, Lord, that we would yield to you, Lord, that we'd be sensitive to your spirit, Lord, that what you were saying to us would be not a, an, it wouldn't be something that we would take or leave, God, but we would understand it's the Lord giving us talents and inviting us into something, Lord Jesus. Move in our lives, King Jesus. Move in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Your name is victory. Your name.